my thoughts on the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather bout that happened last Saturday, as well as discussing why the UFC is the Amazon of the fighting industry, today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Game Time Guru. I'm your host, Shane Larson. How about that fight on Saturday night between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather? I think I speak for pretty much everybody when I say this. Uh, Conor McGregor showed up a lot better than I was expecting him to do. Um, I have a bonus episode of you know the podcast that I actually published on the Anchor app uh, that you can find over there still, but I predicted a couple things and I talked about you know what... I expected to work in McGregor's favor and what I expected to work against him. And I was pretty much spot on. I'm going to kind of pat myself on the back with most things. But I was wrong when I said that he wasn't going to win a round. I think uh, I, I thought he wasn't going to touch Mayweather and he got 111 punches on him. Not all of them were, you know, significant blows, but he, you know, he touched him up pretty well. And to see a high profile athlete in his sport, in the sport of mixed martial arts, Conor McGregor come into the world of boxing and compete at the highest level of boxing. It's not just amateur boxing. It's this is the professional level against one of the best, if not the best to ever do it and hold his own for nine and a half rounds. That's really impressive. We've seen a lot of high profile athletes in our in our day that uh, have tried to test the waters in other sports. Michael Jordan being one of them. He retired from basketball in the middle of his career to try to test out baseball and it didn't work so hot for him. We've seen other ones like Bo Jackson. He was successful in, in multiple sports, but there and there's others. There's tons of others that we can, you know, you know, ramble off. Some that were successful and some that weren't. But it's not an easy thing to do. And I thought it was cool to see that he held his own. Now, a couple things that stood out to me. Um, one of which was the judges' scorecards at the end of that bout. Okay, the judges actually, I think, two of them had the fight seven to two through nine rounds in in you know, Mayweather's favor. And one of them actually had an eight to one. So they only had McGregor winning two rounds at the most. And one of them had him winning uh, one. And I was a little bit taken back by that because I, I thought he won three rounds, if not four at the beginning, because Mayweather wasn't doing anything. That was part of his plan just to take the hits for a couple rounds and then, you know, pop off in the, in the middle of the fight, which he did. I mean, you could see it though. Like McGregor was definitely on the, you know, offense, you know, he was attacking. He was, you know, the more active fighter in the first four rounds of the fight um it was rounds three and four where Mayweather started to kind of counter and started to attack a little more but still I thought McGregor did enough to win those because that was Mayweather's plan is to sit back and absorb the blows for a couple rounds and then he was going to take it to him which he did but it was crazy to see that the judges had it you know uh seven to two and eight to one I mean that to me that was just a little bit absurd um Another thing I want to talk about is the pay-per-view stream and how bad that was. It was awful. So at first, I thought it was my internet connection because I have Sling TV, and I thought it was the internet connection that kept making it black out. And then we all found out, like, while we're all tweeting or checking Twitter, sorry, we're checking Twitter, and everybody else was tweeting out about how bad, you know, the pay-per-view stream was, and it was all the servers were down and this and that and this and that. It actually really frustrates me that pay-per-view can't figure that out. You know, they knew what the expectations were going into this fight 
yet they still couldn't figure it out on how to make it, you know, just a smooth flowing production, you know, uh, it happened with the Pacquiao fight. Uh, and then it happened again here with the Conor McGregor fight. I think it was ridiculous. It's if you're going to be forking out a hundred bucks for a stream, um, and to, to pay to watch that fight, you better have all your ducks in a row and figure it out. Ah, it's irritating. That was really frustrating. And I think it kind of fell under everything else, like the hype of the fight and everything like that. Like afterwards, everybody was like, yeah, McGregor held his own, this and this and this. While in the middle of the, the entire, like, you know, broadcast, everybody was frustrated because the undercard fights kept cutting out and this and that. No one talks about it anymore about how bad the pay-per-view streams were during, during the fight. Um, man, can we please get some, you know, exposure out there? That was awful. Get your act together. That was terrible. Anyways, I was actually impressed with the fight. I was happy with it. Um, definitely worth the money. I thought it was cool. It's cool to see boxing uh, at a high stage, you know, like having a lot of, you know, a lot of viewers watching the sport of boxing, which has kind of died out a little bit um, for a lack of better terms. And I'm actually going to be doing an episode on that specific, you know, idea of, of the sport of boxing and its decline and what they're doing to try to bring it back up. Um, but I'm not going to be talking about that today. Uh, I kind of wanted to branch off more to the mixed martial arts realm and actually speak specifically about the mixed martial arts organization, the UFC, the ultimate fighting championship. Um, and talk about the comparisons between the UFC and Amazon. Now, recently Amazon has hit the news, um, by jumping into the retail, like the physical grocery retail business by purchasing Whole Foods, right? And uh, here in Boise, Idaho, we have a Whole Foods downtown. And so that's that's why a lot of people were actually really interested in this. So Amazon bought out Whole Foods for a very significant amount of money. It was pretty astronomical. But the idea was to, they're going to go into Whole Foods and they started lowering their prices just this week on a, a lot of items and they're going to continue to do so to make Whole Foods a little bit more competitive with the other, you know, grocery retail outlets. You know, these 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 locations, you know, you have the Albertsons, you have the Fred Myers, and, and those are some of the local ones here, Winco's, Costco, stuff like that, um, whatever, wherever you can purchase groceries and whatnot. So anyways... They bought them out, and I actually work for a company that is in the e-commerce side of things, and we're actually competing with Amazon. We're, we're filling that Amazon train. Uh, Amazon's slowly taking over every single industry because they have the money and the resources to do so, and when I say they're taking over, it doesn't mean that you know companies like the company I work for or you know, other grocery outlets, like I mentioned, like Albertsons, Fred Myers, Winco, all them. It doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily fail and completely wash out, but it does. What it means is that uh, you know when they take over the industry, it just means that your sales are going to drop, and you've got to find different ways to compete because Amazon is a massive train in pretty much every industry, and if they want to, they can take over any industry that they want. They really can, and the UFC in the world of mixed martial arts is very much like Amazon. So if you look back to the original UFC fights, um, not a lot of people watch these, and I don't know why, but they were actually really incredible. If you go back to like the early 90s, Hoist Gracie, uh, Shamrock, um, and that was pretty much the two that were that stood out because Hoist Gracie took three of the first four um, tournaments. But the UFC was actually just a, a, a one-night tournament, 
between all disciplines of fighting. And if you go and find the old tapes of them, it was awesome. Like one of the first fights was a sumo wrestler and this kickboxer. Uh, there were no weight classes. There were literally zero rules. You could grab hair. You could headbutt. You could kick them in the groin. Uh, you could do whatever you wanted. You could wear shoes and kick them, whatever. Um, and it was really cool, though, because you got to see the disciplines, all different fighting styles, taekwondo, uh, boxing, kickboxing, sumo wrestling, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, that's when everything was kind of – they didn't they hadn't actually put all fighting styles together in a form of mixed martial arts. They had all just you know had their own single disciplines. And that's when, you know – we realized how important grappling was because those tournaments, it was a one night tournament and there was like no time limit. So whoever won, however long it took to win, you'd win, you go back to the locker room, they do the rest and then you fight the winner. It's just a little, you know, single elimination tournament. And then by the end of the night, so you're fighting three, four fights a night. And it's really cool to watch. Uh, the UFC was awesome back then. It was, I thought it was cool to, to look still to look back on those tapes and see how there were no rules and there are no weight classes and how Hoist Gracie held his own against some very large opponents and there were other the other guys that did the same thing. They held their own against guys that were like three, four times their size uh, because their discipline was their fighting discipline and fighting style was a little bit more complex and worked better against the other individuals' fighting style. So, anyways, the UFC though it kind of tapered off because apparently this no holds bar type, you know, no rules, no weight classes, it started to kind of hurt their ratings. Uh, a lot of people from what I was studying, uh, a lot of the TV companies didn't want to didn't want to give contracts because it was too bloody, too gory, wasn't fan friendly, wasn't family friendly. Um, a lot of the the video places didn't want to show the recordings, didn't want to record them and actually publish those uh, fights for people to watch because of the same reason and then the ticket sales weren't there but they couldn't promote it because it wasn't a family-friendly event because of all the gore and the blood and all that stuff so the UFC kind of tapered off but in the early 2000s it was bought out again and it became you know it slowly started growing into what it is today the UFC is basically the world's largest mixed martial arts organization and I want to talk about how it's comparable to Amazon because it, it started growing 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 and then taking over these other um, organizations in the industry. So I'm not going to be comparing it to boxing. Uh, I know that's the discussion that a lot of people have had. And I might do that in a future episode. You know, the mixed martial arts realm compared to boxing and what's taken over. But I'm comparing the UFC, the organization of the UFC, to other you know, organizations in the mixed martial arts industry. So today I want to talk about some of the organizations that the UFC actually bought out. And some of the, the guys that were competitors. So just, you know, the mixed martial arts, you know, uh, sport started growing in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was it started to become more and more popular. And I think it was a lot to do with the fact that those early Ultimate Fighting Championships in the early 90s brought exposure to the fact that, man, these are really cool. A lot of people can fight in different disciplines. If we can just tweak it a little bit, get some weight classes in here, make it a little bit more, you know, safe, quote unquote, and more organized, uh, we could probably, you know, jump on this train and it, it can take us somewhere. So a lot of organizations started putting putting things together. So I'm going to talk about the World Fighting Alliance, uh, WFA. It was, you know, uh, founded in 2001, and that's when all the mixed martial arts competitions were actually legalized in Nevada. So the World Fighting Alliance was actually bought out by the UFC's, you know, holding company. I think it's uh, pronounced Zufa. And that was in 2006. But the World Fighting Alliance actually held its own for five years. They 
had a, a lot of guys. I think they had Quentin Rampage Jackson. They had Leota Machida. And um, they had quite a few people watching on pay-per-view. It was like 50,000 pay-per-views were sold. But uh, they they said that it was pretty bad. You know, 50,000 pay-per-views sold for one of their biggest events. Um, but, I mean, I think that's pretty good. The only thing is is they weren't getting the, the people there at the fights. So There's only like 5,000 people in, in the actual crowd with the 50,000 pay-per-views. And, um, anyways, they weren't in a good financial position. So, the UFC ended up actually buying them out in 2006, which meant that they absorbed the contracts of the fighters that were in the World Fighting Alliance. Um, so, you, you had all them. Then you have, okay, Pride Fighting. I don't know if anybody remembers Pride, but Pride was actually based out of Japan, and they went for a good 10-year run, uh, 1997 through 2007. They had a really, really good run, and, and a lot of fighters went there. Pride Fighting was actually done in a ring similar to boxing rather than an octagon, and they had their own rules that were a little... Everybody kind of tweaks it a little bit, but Pride Fighting was holding its own. A lot of fighters would go over there, and, uh, I mean, they had... I guess uh, in 2002 at the Tokyo National Stadium, there was 91,000 people there to witness it. I mean, that's a lot of 91,000 people is a lot. That is so many, has so many people. And you had Anderson Silva, uh, Mauricio Hua, uh, Quentin Jackson, obviously Rampage, uh, Vanderlei Silva. You had Mark Hunt. Um, Overeem was there. A lot of guys that we know in the UFC got their name by fighting in the pride fighting championships like the, the pride fighting was huge and japan has a huge mixed martial arts fan base and what ended up happening is you know uh in 2007 um uh the the ufc's you know zufa you know went in and they and they ended up buying them and that was that was one of the things that really helped them out because they all obviously got to absorb the contracts of the um pride fighting the pride fighting fighters, right? So they took over pride. They also took over the world fighting Alliance and another one, uh, which was roughly around the exact same time that they took over pride. It was right before that was the world extreme cage fighting. Um, and the world extreme cage fighting WEC went from 2001 to 2010. So a lot of these organizations actually had a lot of success for a good run. You know what I mean? Like that's a nine year run for the, the world extreme cage fighting. Um, pride had a 10 year run. That's a, that's a good run. They were, they were very successful businesses, but the UFC continued to grow and started to kind of take over. They were getting better fighters. They were getting better, you know, more money to have better promotions and they were gaining all the pay-per-view, you know, viewers and all the subscriptions to come over and it just started to kind of take over everyone and so these people were trying to compete these organizations like the you know world extreme cage fighting were trying to compete um but the thing is is you know the ufc was growing so bad it's like you you can compete for so long only only can compete for so long until you finally have to give in and figure something out so the wec though one of the main fighters that you guys might remember was uriah faber um, Hennen Barrao, uh, Jose Aldo, Anthony Pettis, Benson Henderson, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Joseph uh, Benavidez, they were all in the world extreme cage fighting. Uh, WEC was pretty, pretty popular. Um, and I guess what happened with the UFC is originally they actually started, um, they actually started uh, running side by side. So the WEC had lighter, they had the lighter weights because the UFC didn't have, um, lighter weights like the the flyweight the bantamweights the featherweights um but then the wec 
after 2010, after they, they worked side-by-side side together for a little while, the UFC just absorbed all of them. That's why the UFC got all those different uh, weight classes. They ended up absorbing all the fighters, absorbing the contracts, and they took the, the WC, WEC over, and they ended up with the flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight divisions in the UFC, um, which... Actually, it looks like by adding those divisions, it gave them an increased number of you know produced events, and it was actually a really successful takeover because not only are you taking those extra weight classes, it's giving you extra exposure, it's giving you you know extra extra money. Even though you have to take those contracts from those fighters and pay them out, you're getting a lot of people that are interested in watching those lighter guys you know throw punches. And if you guys haven't ever watched the lighter guys throw punches, it's really exciting because they don't stop punching they they never stop it's like dude they never stop fighting um another one i wanted to talk about which the ufc took over was the international fight league which actually only had a two-year run from 06 to 08 one of the main fighters there that you might remember from the ufc uh roy nelson big country the big boy <laughs> big boy with the overhand uh, overhand right uh could pretty much knock out anybody you wanted didn't ever look like he was in shape at all but he could, he could hit like a truck the International Fight League, a lot of people don't even know that existed. Um, if you go back to YouTube and just check it out, like International Fight League um, highlights, you'll see it's actually, it had an, I thought it had a very interesting um, organization. You know, like the organization itself, had it was organized very well because it was, it was unique. Um, the International Fight League was different than most MMA organizations because rather than fighting one, one versus one, which you still fought one-on-one, but... You actually competed as teams. So teams would train together under a, a very experienced uh, mixed martial artist. Um, I think I think Ken Shamrock was part of that. Um, one of the one of the trainers that was in there. I got to double check that. Yeah, Henzo Gracie and Ken Shamrock were coaches, and so they would coach these teams. And then in one of the you know the the fights, one team would compete against the other. So one fighter fights this one, one fighter fights this one, and then they they you know they point. It's it's like a wrestling match in a sense because you have teams. And if you win, you get a certain amount of points and whatnot. It's actually pretty interesting. The only issue is, is they just couldn't compete. They couldn't get the money. They couldn't get the exposure because at that time, from 2006 to 2008, that was in the middle of like the UFC taking over WEC uh, when the UFC started, you know, taking over Pride. And so they were absorbing all these people, getting more and more exposure that the International Fight League didn't even stand a chance. And I think that's why it pretty much just kind of evaporated really quickly. Now, the other one that was huge was Strike Force. And Strike Force went from 1986 to 2013. They had a really good run. And you know what? Uh, they had a, they had some good fighters. The, what keeps a lot of those you know, MMA organizations going or kept them going for the times that they, that they were going were the big-name fighters. And Brock Lesnar was in, in, the, in the Strike Force. Um, the Strike Force organization. So Brock Lesnar was a huge name. They also had other guys in there. Uh, it's just when you can get a big name fighter, you can keep that. Or it's the face of the franchise, basically, right? It's the Tom Brady of your of your organization. So Strike Force kept going. And, and if you ever watch some of the Strike Force, I remember watching a lot of their their um, their fights, a lot of their you know productions, and they had some really good fights. Um, it was very comparable to the UFC. They had a lot of good fighters. Uh, they they were really really intriguing and they had a lot of good promotions but the thing is um they had a they had a bump in ratings but what happened is when their fighters started tapering off and they they didn't get those big names to you know compete and actually be successful as soon as the big names started falling off 
which was in 2011, I believe, is when it started to taper off. Um, the the UFC offered him something. I think it was actually in 2013 officially, you know, because they, they were in a, a bad financial status because a lot of the big fighters started tapering down. A lot of the ratings started following. UFC offers them a deal, buys them out, absorbs all the contracts from the fighters, and they've got all these guys under their belt. So we're talking, okay, let's, let's go over those one more time. All right. We've got the International Fight League. We've got the World Fighting Alliance. We've got Pride Fighting. We've got Strike Force, and we've got the World Extreme Cage Fighting. Um, those are all, those are five organizations that the UFC took over from 2001 when it actually was bought out, the, like the official UFC was bought out, all the way till now. All right. Five organizations that it took over. If you guys, like, that's, that's huge, and it's taking over the industry, and one organization that refuses to fall is Bellator. Bellator, there, there were a lot of rumors going on a few years ago that, you know, Bellator is going to sell out to the UFC, and they're going to get, it's going to be the exact same story as all those five that I just mentioned right there. But Bellator has been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and they keep getting bigger names, but Bellator is kind of like, you know... They t- it's kind of like the big three tournament for basketball that Ice Cube put together. You know what I mean? Bellator is taking these washed up fighters that you know were huge names back in the day, and they're putting them in these these fights. Um, and they're getting the the ratings there. The only issue is is the fights aren't that good. You know, uh, Gracie Shamrock. Um, they just fought now twenty years later, like twenty one years later or something. They just fought a few years ago. A terrible fight. Um, you had uh, Kimbo Slice versus Dada 5000, which were the two backyard brawlers that were known on YouTube, and they were far past their primes, and they that was the the worst fight I have ever seen. Um, it, it ended with Dada 5000 basically, well, I guess he had like a heart failure, but he basically passed out on the, on the he was so fatigued, he passed out on the canvas, so... That was ridiculous. I mean, they had, they get these guys like Chael Sonnen, uh, Tito Ortiz, which who were great in the early 2000s, uh, but they're past their primes and they're putting these guys in there. So you do get the viewers that you know are the historic viewers, the guys who you know want to watch the old fighters, but you're not getting the the prime fighters. So Bellator's holding on, and they continue to hold on, and it's cool to watch that they're you know they're doing their thing and they're you're competing side by side. But there is no way they will ever take over the UFC. Uh, Dana White has this, I mean, the, the UFC just sold again for $4 billion, okay, when they were purchased for, I think it was $2 million or something, or eleven, whatever it was, but they just sold for $4 billion, and Dana White's still part of the UFC, he's, he's the president, he has taken over, and he has built this juggernaut in the industry of MMA, and it's taken over, that, that when you hear UFC, or when you hear MMA, it's basically synonymous with UFC, People think that the UFC means MMA. No, the UFC is an organization that is part of MMA. It's almost like, um, let's just say, like professional basketball, synonymous with the NBA. But there's a lot of professional basketball leagues that are around the world. Uh, Europe has a ton of them. Even in the, in South America, uh, you got you got professional basketball all over the place. But people think of you know, oh, I'm going to play professional basketball means I'm going to play in the NBA. People think about mixed martial arts. They think of the UFC. It's crazy because they have built this juggernaut that's on top of the industry, and it's crazy to see how far it's come in such a short amount of time. If you really think about how short of a time this is, 
it has taken over the industry. And my prediction is that they will take over Bellator. I think Bellator will eventually fold. There's no way it's going to continue to compete. Uh, there's no reason for it to. Uh, the UFC could offer them a lot of money to buy them out, absorb the contracts if they really want to, um, and then they can take that over as well. So they have absolutely zero competition in the industry. Uh, and that's what keeps them going. They the, the less competition, the more money comes into you. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's really cool to watch um, to see this, this uh, organization just continue to thrive. It is the Amazon of the mixed martial arts industry. Um, anyways, it was really cool to see, going back to that McGregor fight, awesome to see him hold his own against Floyd Mayweather. To see a UFC, like a mixed martial arts fighter, right? This guy who's dominated the UFC in, in multiple weight classes come in and actually hold his own in the style of boxing. Um, I will, like I said, I'll be talking about, you know, the sport of boxing in a future episode and what I think is going to happen with the sport. And Because I love the sport of boxing. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I boxed myself for three years. I love it. Um, I respect the sport of boxing. Is it as exciting as MMA? Probably not, and I think a lot of the the reason why is just because the MMA is hyped up. They the entrances are a lot cooler. Um, they, they're just more hyped up. Boxing is a little bit more classy. It's not as violent, but there is an art to it. There's a lot of strategy to it, and uh, it was cool to watch though. Like it was cool to see two different disciplines in the sport of boxing um, come together and, and and see the differences and and see McGregor hold his own. But you know he gassed out. It was just a really cool event. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to talk about today, and uh, I hope you guys pay attention to the UFC going forward. Check the business moves that they make in the in the coming years, and see how they continue to dominate the industry. That's all I got for you. This is the Game Time Guru. I'm your host Shane Larson. We'll talk to you next week.